want to welcome everyone that's uh that's here and sitting here in the sanctuary and uh, we're in the overflow today can we just celebrate with those that are in the overflow that we're glad that you're here as well and watching online on church online we're glad that you're here uh, god is up to something at evangel we're so excited about what he's doing in this season it's fun and if you're new here we we can laugh in church sometimes amen uh, if you joined us about two weeks ago we weren't laughing too much because we were in prayer and fasting for 21 days and uh, we were all very hungry, some of us. But God met us, and there's a lot of joy uh, in God's house today. I could feel that. And I'm thankful that you're here. Would you just take a moment to thank uh, the many volunteers and staff that help make services happen here at Evangel? We have an incredible team from our, our worship team to our greeters, to our children's ministry. There are people that, you know, what we realize is that the church was never meant to be built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. That we all come together and we say, we're here to be the church. Um, we're here to be uh, the body of Christ, the Bible says. And we serve one another and we work together. And uh, it's an amazing thing to see the team working together. Now, many of you might wonder what we do all during the week if we just come together on Sunday. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes as you can imagine, right? And, uh, and there's a lot of preparation. We're going into a series right now called Stretch Goals. And the idea is developing goals in our lives that will help to stretch our faith and grow us to become everything God wants us to be. And I feel like um, our staff and our volunteers, they've taken this challenge and they've just been running with it. They've been stretching themselves. They've been uh, doing their very best, getting ready to make sure Sunday's the best that it can be and uh, we can minister to you as best as we can. And uh, man, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? That we have a great team and people that work that hard. Um, but it, what was pretty cool is that our media team caught up with them during the week to kind of give you a behind the scenes view of what goes in, into making ministry happen here at Evangel. And I thought, we have a couple minutes. Would it be okay if you guys watch this? Just a little video that kind of shows you what goes into Sundays here at Evangel. All right, let's take a look at the screen and check, it, check this out. Seriously, right? What an awesome team. Except we like to have fun sometimes in church. It's a, it's a good time. But no, we really appreciate everyone and appreciate what God's doing in this season. 
Uh, God's up to something very fresh here at Evangel, and I could feel that each time we walk through the door and meeting so many new families and new guests that are with us, um, you've been coming for the past few months, please, please, please come next week. Um, me and the pastors, we were just talking about it last night. I was talking with Pastor Rick and, and his family, and we're like, we can't wait to hang out uh, next week after service and have pizza with everyone that's new here at Evangel. So join us. Our pastors are going to be there right after second service, pizza with the pastors and our staff and leaders, and it's just free pizza for you and your family. So if you're new to Evangel, the last several months you've been calling it home and you're kind of want to get more connected, just come over. It'll be a real informal time and uh, we're going to do our best to have some good pizza and some good time together. Sound good? So whether you're new here today or coming for the last few months, just join us next week. I really look forward to getting to know you more uh, during that time. Well, as we get into this, uh, this new series, we're kicking off a series today on Super Sunday. It's called Stretch Goals. And like I said, it's around goals that help us to stretch our faith, to grow, and become everything God has called us to be. I shared with the church in the month of January while we were in prayer and fasting, there was a reason that we did that to kick off the year. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That the first thing we should do as we enter into a new season is seek God first. We often get it backwards. We set goals first. So the first thing you did kick off 2019, I'm sure, is you set a bunch of goals but I want you to know there's something that becomes so rich in your life if you set your goals based on what you've sought the Lord for. That if you literally spent time in prayer and seeking him, he'll speak new things to your heart maybe you weren't even thinking about. Set your goals around those things as you seek the Lord. And what we believe is that when we do that, God gives us the strength to achieve those things and to run after them. And so that's what we're doing. We sought the Lord in January. Now in February, we're going to set some goals, some goals that will grow our faith that will help develop us into who God has called us to be. Because I believe this, that God has defining moments waiting for you in your life. There are moments in this season that God is going to do something in your life that you may have never imagined before. You know, I think about it as we're here on Super Bowl Sunday, and you, I play the highlight reel in my life. I've been watching football since I was a very young child, and many of you have watched it as well, and you've seen some of these plays. These are some of these defining moments that have happened in Super Bowl and in NFL history. Uh, they have changed the course of games. They've changed the course of teams. They've won Super Bowls like last year, that diving leap into the end zone. You'll see these moments that often become defining moments in a game in Super Bowl history. I have to pause and just appreciate what this guy did. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but look at this catch. Oh my goodness. Um, and so you'll see these moments where someone just elevates their game, where they reach and cut through the crowd and they catch a pass, uh, where they bobble it and you, it's like so improbable and they come up with it. With it. Uh, it's, it's amazing and they stretch themselves. And those moments become moments of elevation. This is one of the most famous ones in history, the Immaculate Reception that began a dynasty in Pittsburgh. Uh, I just love watching that again and again. Saquon Barkley doing an Air Jordan into the end zone. Sorry, Cowboys fans, that wasn't a fumble. And this play, one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history, David Tyree, the catch. Remember that? Caught it on his helmet. Oh, and the Patriots lost. It was so sweet. And uh, the Steelers, the, uh, the, the last Super Bowl, the Steelers won. Look at this catch with like less than a minute left in the corner of the end zone, stretching out of bounds. Talk about stretch goals. You know, they practice that, though. These things don't happen. They don't just show up on the field on a Sunday and on the biggest game of the year, and they just make these plays. It's because there's been time and time again that they've stretched it. They caught a pass here, and they said, what, what if I can get closer to the end zone, closer to the line? And, and in that stretching, there's growth. I want you to know that if you want to grow in life, it, you're going to be stretched. 
If you want to grow your muscles, they have to be stretched, even torn some. And if not, and if we want, if the goal of our life is to remain comfortable and complacent, then guess what? You're never going to grow and reach the places God wants for you. I just want to be real with you. Because the journey that you've been called to, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, is one where he wants to take you to places you've never been and never even imagined finding yourself. He wants to bring you and put you in a situation that you would say, if not for God's grace in my life, I wouldn't be here. And I mean, I feel that every Sunday when I get up standing in front of you to share, because I know if it weren't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be here. I don't know where I'd be if God didn't find me somewhere in my own brokenness and save me with his love and grace and God just brings us to places that you can stand there one day and some of you can attest to this and say look at what the Lord has done in my life you know I'm believing for that in this season but I know it's only going to come through a season of stretching you know every year 32 teams set out in the NFL and their goal is this one trophy that someone's going to be lifting up tonight you want to know what makes a difference? The teams that have stretched themselves, have grown, have, have fought against adversity, have pressed through challenges, and it's the perseverance over perseverance leads them to that place. You never know when the season begins what the end of that season will look like and what the victory will be. We're walking in a new season. You're walking in a new season. I believe just because you showed up today, it's a part of God's plan that he wants to bring you into a new season. You have no idea what the end of that season could look like as God wants to do what only he can do. And so as we walk through this journey, I want to challenge us today that we would say, God, come and do whatever it is you want to do to grow me and to allow me to become who you've called me to be. And to do that, our faith has to increase. We have to be willing to trust God for more. So if you have your Bible, would you open with me? And you can grab one in the pew or even better yet, you can open up your phone and uh, you can find a Bible app there and you could download it. It's a great way. I read every morning. I'm reading my Bible on my phone and, and at night spending time with the Lord. It's right at our fingertips now. Any language that you might speak, any translation you would want, it's right there for free at, the, at your fingertips. But as you turn to me, uh, with me to Matthew chapter 14, I want to spend a few moments in God's word this morning. And I really think this is a great passage to help us kick off this series called Stretch Goals. Because in the midst of this, if we just follow what's going on here in the passage, we're going to see how Jesus when we decide to follow him, invites us into places that take us out of our comfort zones and stretch us so we can become who he's called and created us to be. So as we go to Matthew's gospel, just briefly, if you don't read the Bible a lot or you're new uh, to this whole church thing, there are four gospels in the New Testament, right around the middle of the Bible. And these are four eyewitness accounts of Jesus. You know, Jesus is a real person that really lived 2,000 years ago. He's recorded in history. You don't just have to check in the Bible. All throughout history of that time, there is a very real man named Jesus that lived. And there were people that saw him and walked with him. And after he died and then rose again three days later for our sins, the Bible teaches, after that, there were some of his closest followers who wrote down the accounts of everything they saw Jesus do. These became gospels, eyewitness accounts about Jesus and who he was and what he did. And Matthew was one of those people who wrote this down, and we have it today preserved in history. So we're not just reading a story. We're reading the truth about who Jesus is and what he did, a very real account of his life. As we look here in Matthew chapter 14, if you go into Israel, there's a, a large lake. It's called the Sea of Galilee. And it's right in, in the midst of Israel, and Jesus spent a lot of time there during his life. 
He grew up right near there, and then when he was on his ministry and he performed healings and taught the people, all these different miracles, a lot of them happened right around the Sea of Galilee. So you'll see a lot of times in the, in the scriptures that they're traveling around the sea or over the sea to the other side. This is happening right here. They wrapped up some ministry and some things they were doing, and here's what it says starting in verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent all the people home that were there with them. So this is an interesting moment because when you're out on the sea in the Sea of Galilee, in a moment's notice, the weather can turn, a storm can come, and when a storm hits there, it's like kind of like in a, in a bowl almost. The way the wind and the waves, they can get so rough on the Sea of Galilee. Last year, me and some of our, our team here, about 40 of us from Evangel, went to Israel, and we were out on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And I'll tell you, if those, if those waves start uh, hitting, it can get pretty fierce out there. Jesus invited them out onto that lake, and there was a storm coming. There was a storm right on the horizon as they headed out. In fact, as they made their way out into the middle of the lake, the storm began to overcome them, and the winds and the waves began to rock the boat back and forth. One of the things that I love about this story is it teaches us something. That often, Jesus, it says this, Jesus insisted that his disciples head across. You know, how many times does your mom have to insist, uh, kids in the room, that you, that you eat the snack food in your house? You have to insist you have to do something you don't want to do, right? So Jesus doesn't say, I insist that we go over here to the, you know. But there must, there could have been perhaps some kind of hesitation. Perhaps they could see what's going on. They didn't have AccuWeather forecasting or anything like that. But if it's starting to turn gray in the clouds, it can be like, well, maybe we should just camp out here. He said, no, you got to go to the other side. And you got to go there while I wait here. I want you to know this. This is a principle in, in life that you have to realize that often to get to the place that Jesus is calling you to go, it means you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to come, become uncomfortable to get there. Now, here's the question. Jesus is God. He's all-knowing. Did Jesus know there was a storm on the horizon? Yes. We may have not known. Many of us, we don't know when the storms are coming. He knows the storms. In fact, the Bible teaches that he has power over the storms. Not just the storms in this world, but storms in your life. Jesus can make a difference in the midst of those. And so something was happening on this simple boat ride across the Sea of Galilee. Many of these men were fishermen and very familiar with these, uh, this storm. But there was something Jesus was about to teach them on this particular journey. He wanted to stretch them and build their faith. So after the nighttime came... Jesus sent all the people home, and then he doesn't get in a boat and go meet them. The Bible says he goes up into the hills and he prays. He, didn't he tell them, you got to go over there? And then he, here he is over here praying while the storm is raging against them. They're there in the middle of the night, in the middle of the darkness. And verse 24 says, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land. Jesus is on the land. They're in trouble far away. And the strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. There are seasons in your life that you will go through a storm. Someone might be in the middle of it today, and you feel all alone. And you feel your help is so far away. And you feel God is not even in the equation. Where could Jesus be? There's no way anyone could reach me. I'm all alone. I'm the only one that knows what I'm going through right now. But I promise you, if you lean in right here, there's no storm that's greater than our Savior. There's no storm. There's seasons that come. But I want you to know the storm you might be walking through, there's a God who created this world that is greater than that storm. He has power and authority over it. And I want you to know you're not alone in the storm. 
See, for them, they felt so alone. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking that you're too far from God's reach, that you're all alone in whatever it is that you're walking through because it becomes uncomfortable. And here's what the Bible says. If you go on to verse 25, at about three o'clock in the morning, someone say three o'clock in the morning. You know, the Bible says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But sometimes I'm like, Lord, come sooner. Come on. Three o'clock in the morning. I don't want a three o'clock in the morning rescue. I want, I want a rescue that happens when I see the first storm cloud on the horizon. I want the second I see the first wave hitting. That's when I want you to show up. The Bible says three o'clock in the morning. Jesus is praying up in the hills. He knows exactly what's going on. But at three o'clock in the morning, here's what I've realized. The Bible says, my ways are not your ways, declare the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're as high as the heavens are above the earth. My thoughts are above yours. I want you to know, we don't always understand his timing. We don't always like his timing, but I promise you there was purpose in three o'clock in the morning on that day. His timing was right for them. Even though there was a storm, even though there was waves, I want you to know Jesus said there will be trouble in this world, but we can take heart because he's greater than it. So they're in the midst of a storm. It felt like it was so much greater than them. And the disciples looked out on the water in the midst of the storm. And at three o'clock in the morning, Jesus is coming to them. How does he show up? Does he get into a boat and he begins to head out towards them? No, Jesus comes to them. The Bible says it, walking on the water. This isn't just fictional stuff here, that the God of the universe that came down in flesh and God's son, Jesus, walked this earth. He didn't just walk the earth. He walked the waters of the earth. And he met them in the middle of a storm. You know what that can teach you today? That you feel you're so alone and so far gone. The God who created the waters and walks on them, reached them in the middle of a storm. Don't think your diagnosis is too far gone for him. He could walk right out in the middle of it and meet you right there. Sometimes we feel so alone. We feel so impossible. He walked on the waters to meet them in the storm. How could you think you're too far from him? How could you think you're beyond his reach? Wherever it is you might find yourself. You might be in a storm of your own making. I promise you this. You call upon the Lord. He'll be there. He's able to be there with you. And they saw him walking on the water. But here's the thing. Sometimes when God shows up, it gets even more scary than, than before. So they see Jesus, and they weren't overjoyed because he wasn't in a boat. He's walking on the water. You'd be freaked out as well, wouldn't you? And they, they think it's a ghost. So they start screaming. They're afraid. They, they, they cry out, it's a ghost. And Jesus spoke, and look what he said. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. You know, it says, Pastor Rick talked about Psalm 23 today in the midst of our worship. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. Do you want to know what makes all the difference in the storm that you're walking through? Is who's with you in that storm. And I want you to know, some of you, are, you'll look to your spouse. You might grab them by the hand right now as I'm talking about that. God bless them, but I'm not talking about them right now. It's great to have them with you. It's great to have the people that love you most. But you want to know who the game changer is in every storm? It's the presence of God in that storm. More than them. You can call your spouse in the midst of a storm, and they can get there in a half an hour. You call on God. His presence shows up. It changes everything. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Some of you, you have... You have your go-to people when the storm comes in life, like, here's who I'm calling. I'm going to call them. They said they'll always be with me. They'll never leave me. They'll never forsake me. Then it goes to voicemail. Now what am I going to do? 
We have a God who will never leave us or forsake us. What would it look like if you'd start to call out to him first? Say, God, I need your presence right now. When that diagnosis comes, I need your presence. When that storm comes, I need your presence, God. Yes, get the other people around you, but don't forsake his presence in the midst of it. That makes all the difference. He says, take courage. Don't be afraid. I am here. God's speaking to someone today, and you're feeling so alone, and you're feeling so afraid. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. You may not have recognized it, but I'm here. I'm here right now. His presence makes all the difference. His presence has power over every problem we face in this life. I want you to know that. There are storms that will come, storms that can deplete you, can hurt you, can, can create all these challenges, but I promise you this, his presence will make all the difference. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't even need to be afraid. Why? Because you're here. He says, take courage. You see, the same idea. He's the good shepherd. He actually says it. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd talked about in Psalm 23, Jesus, the good shepherd, who says we don't have to be afraid. So Peter, this is where things start to really turn around in the story. Peter is, is not quite sure. He's standing there on the edge of the boat. He sees the waves and the wind, and someone's walking towards him and says it's Jesus. And he says this. He's walking on water. Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, then call me out onto the water to come to you walking on the water. I can tell you, I, I don't think I would have thought of that one if I, if I was there in the boat. I was like... <laughs> I don't know what I would have done at this point. Jesus is walking on water. I'm just, I'm not sure what's going on. Peter says, call me out onto the waves then. You know what's so beautiful? That this is the God we serve. He always, he says this, I go to make a way for, I'll make a place for you so that where I am, you could be also. One of the central themes in all the Bible is this, God desires that we would be in his presence. That where he is, he wants us to be with him. And so much of our lives, so much of my life was spent separate from him, away from him, not thinking about him, not acknowledging him. But God's greatest desire from the very beginning in Genesis to the end of the book in Revelation is that he wants to be with his people. He wants us to be people of his presence. He wants us to be near to him. And so Peter is saying and echoing a truth that God desires from the depths of his heart. Jesus, wherever you are is where I want to be. And if it means I got to walk out in the water to meet you, bring me there, Lord. Call me there. Make it so. And he says, yes, come. And the Bible says, you know what happened? Peter got out of the boat and he starts walking on the water towards Jesus. Oh my goodness. You know, can you just imagine for a moment what it would feel like to stand in a place and you say, I shouldn't be here right now. I shouldn't, I, I'd just be standing there. I shouldn't be here. And then for years later, my kids, my grandkids, I'll bring them right out to that part of the water and say, I stood there, not on dry ground like the Israelites. I stood on the water and I walked on. I shouldn't have been there. You know, there's those moments that come and grip you. But here's what I realized. When I stand here in front of you to share God's word, I say that often. I shouldn't be here right now. You know, you think it's a miracle that Peter walked on water? Yes, it was. But it's a miracle that I'm standing here today. Because I, I don't know where I'd be without what God has done in my life. I'm, I'd be so far. And some of you, you hear the story of Peter, but look at your life. Some of you are like, I shouldn't be sitting here right now. Because I should be dead, but God saved my life. I would be addicted in prison somewhere, but God rescued me from that. I shouldn't be here right now. God causes us when we trust him. He puts us in places we're not even supposed to be. But it's because of his grace and his power when we trust him with our lives. You seeing it? 
Come on, he's going to call someone to walk out on some waters today. And in this season, you're going to look at that and you're going to say, yeah, it was really cool what Peter did. Let me tell you my story about what God did. Let me tell you about what God did whenever I took a step of faith to trust him. Because I want you to know this house, again, sit with someone that's been here for a while. It's been in the faith. They'll tell you some stories about what God has done. And it'll, it'll feel like that. You're like, wow, that's like walking on water. I thought that was hard. This, that's crazy. What God did in your life, that's the God we serve. But it requires something of us. It requires faith. Faith, you know, some of us, we, we look at the stock markets. We look at our bank account. We want to know, do I have what I need? Because we, we need currency to pay for things. I want you to know the currency of heaven is not covered in dead presidents. It is faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. That's what matters to God. Jesus said, when I come back again, I want you to know Jesus died, rose again, is in heaven. One day he's coming back. He promised it in his word. He says, when the Son of Man returns, he didn't say, will he find really nice big churches? He didn't say that. Will I find a lot of Christians that are really excited? Will I find the latest and greatest songs? Will I find all kinds of Bibles everywhere? Will I find all these? All those things are not bad in and of themselves, but the one thing he's looking for is faith. Will I find faith on the earth? That's what seemed to grip the heart of Jesus. Because I, I feel like he, he's omniscient. He can see everything. He's the beginning and the end. Yes, there are churches. Yes, there are movements. Yes, there are people that profess to know him. There are all those things. But the thing that he's wondering about is, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find a group of people who trust me and are confident even when they don't see it and follow my promises and my word? Will I find faith on the earth? To him, it's so precious. The Bible talks about faith being so precious and so valuable. Bible says without faith, we can't please God. It's impossible to please him. Because I think sometimes that if we sing the right songs, we'll please him. If we do the right things, if I preach the right message and that pleases him. But if none of it's done with faith, then it doesn't please him. Do you know that? It's just going through the motions. Do you realize that? All the Bible reading, all the prayer, all the stuff we're doing. Do we combine it with faith? With this deep trust and assurance in God, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we, but we hold to his promise. We trust his character in his heart. That's faith. And when we do that, God finds that and it's so valuable. So faith comes by setting our focus on Jesus. Our focus on Jesus produces faith in our hearts. You know why? Because Jesus is the source, the perfecter of faith, the Bible says. Look here with me at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I love it in the New Living Translation. I memorized it as a, as a teenager in the New International, but, but uh, reading it in this translation this week really grabbed my heart in a new way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. How do we do it? By fixing and keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he is now seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. He's the perfecter and the initiator of faith. And when we keep our eyes on him, our faith grows. Do you want to see what happens here in the, in the scripture as we go back to, to Peter? Peter's invited out of his comfort zone. 
He's invited to take a step of faith onto the water. Talk about a step of faith. That's what a step of faith really is in our lives. It's when you step out into something unknown that without God's hand meeting you, you're not, you're not being sustained. Faith isn't, isn't just hoping something's going to work out well. It's placing my whole trust that when I step out, God's got me. He's got me. And especially when I don't see it. You know, I think of faith is so much like that, you know, those old rickety um, uh, rope bridges that you'll see across canyons and like Indiana Jones in those movies. And, you know, you always know they're going to fall through one of those boards. You just don't know which one it's going to be. And it could just drop out at any moment. That's a walk of faith. That every step you take, you're placing all your weight on that thing. And you're like, Lord, if you don't show up here, I, I don't know where I'm going to be. Don't you see it in the life of Peter here? He's literally placing all of himself right there on the waters. Jesus, if you don't sustain me. And he's just walking. He charts his course, keeps his eyes on Jesus. And here's what the Bible says happens next. But, someone say but. This isn't a good one. But when he saw the wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. So let's just, let's just pay attention to this. Lord, if it's you, call me to you on the waters. Come. The winds and the waves. What happened? We take our eyes off Jesus. We begin to sink. We begin to trip up. We begin to get some things on us. It says in Hebrews, cast off the thing that so easily entangles you. T cast off the things that are causing you to stumble. He's looking at the winds. He's looking at the waves. He's taking his eyes off of Jesus. Man, you know, I get so convicted when I read that because that's my story as well. Isn't it yours? There are times I want to follow God and I'm walking towards him and then we take our eyes off him and we're looking at our circumstance and we're looking at our storm. We're getting so consumed with it. Your focus determines your future. What you choose to fix your eyes on is going to lead you there. And he fixed his eyes on the storm and suddenly he was overcome by the storm. But when he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on water. Lord, let that lesson get into my heart. Lord, I want to walk in the places that I shouldn't even be because you're the one leading me and guiding me. My eyes are always fixed on you. But he starts to sink and he cries out to the Lord and the Lord grabbed him. And what did the Lord say to him? You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Do you see the value of faith? That he says, what, what, something was wrong there. Your faith your faith came off of me and you started looking at everything else and you missed it and you began to sink. He said, why did you do that? I'm looking for faith. The Apostle Paul, come on up, Pastor Rick. The Apostle Paul, as he gets to the end of his life, he was someone that was an enemy. He was not a believer in Jesus. He loved God. This is a really important distinction for us to recognize in our own lives because some of us, we can come to church because we love God. We can love God, but we can miss Jesus. And I want you to know, it's all about Jesus. It really is. God said it. He said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And this guy named Paul, he was so religious. He went to church. He did, he did all the things that you would do. And he was like the stellar scholar, student, knew everything, knew everything about God and wanted to please him. And he missed Jesus in the midst of it all. But then he had one encounter, one moment in time when Jesus showed up in his life and changed him forever. And he abandoned every other pursuit in his life, everything else. He said, I consider everything I've done before the moment I met Jesus as rubbish. It's behind me. He said, now I just press on towards the goal. 
to achieve what Jesus has for me in this life. And look what he says. He gets to the end of his life and he's speaking to a young man in the faith who he had been mentoring named Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, he's at the end of his life. He said, I'm about to go. I'm about to be poured out like an offering. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching the end of my, my life. But he says this to, to Timothy to encourage him. He says, I have fought the good fight. Come on, say it with me. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And here's what I realize in this moment, that he's gonna get to heaven one day. And Paul had this amazing encounter with Jesus. And for me, I would list all these things and I pastored this church and I went over here and I, he could tell the stories of the miracles. He could talk about everything he's done. He could sing his song and say, you know, I did this and God did this and God did that and God did that. And he limits his entire life to this statement. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. I just feel like we get to the end of the life and this is what the Lord's gonna ask us. Have you kept the faith? Have you lost your faith in the midst of this journey or have you kept it? He kept pressing on, he kept moving forward. So easy, I think, to go so long in the faith and end up losing it along the way. And we have a semblance of godliness, but we're void of all the power. Maybe we've gotten complacent. Maybe you've just been going through the motions. Maybe it's like the rich young ruler. You know, when it came time to really follow Jesus, he looked at everything he had and he realized it was too big of a step of faith for him to leave everything and go and follow Jesus. Here's what I believe God's doing in this season. He's blowing a fresh wind through this house. And it's one where faith is gonna to begin to rise up in hearts again. Where some of you, there's a resurrection that's happening, where you're feeling like there's a newness of life within you, even though you've been following the Lord for a long time. That's his spirit breathing on you and bringing your faith back to life, I believe. And he's gonna allow you to begin to run a race that he has for you, to walk into what he has for you. But it will require a living and active and vibrant faith where you trust God afresh and anew. You don't live off the blessings of what he did yesterday or last year or last decade. You have a faith that's real today, sustaining you on the waters, amen? For some of you today, as I share that word, it's becoming like life to you because you're like, yes, that's what I need in my life. That's what God's ready to do in this season. I believe it with all my heart, but you have to be willing to meet him there. Man, you could be afraid right now. You could be wherever you are. But if you could look at Jesus and say, if any of what this man up here on this stage is saying, Lord, is true, then call me out on the waters. I want to be where you are right now. Lead me, Lord God. I trust you. That's what he's looking for in every single one of our hearts and lives. How does that happen? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Another way it happens is that he needs to make his home in your heart. What that means is that you need to have come to Jesus. It's not about how good of a person you are. That's not gonna be the, the determining factor. It's whether you've accepted Jesus' love, his sacrifice. You know that he died on the cross, but have you taken the time to come to him and say, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Today I receive your gift of life. And the Bible says he did that so we could be forgiven of our sins. Have you ever asked for that forgiveness? Have you ever put your faith and trust in him and committed yourself to follow him? That's what it takes. And he says that as you do that, something happens in Ephesians 3:17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and you'll be kept strong. And then you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, even though it's too great to fully understand. 
Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is a promise of what will happen in your life as you commit yourself fully to the Lord. And I'm talking to people that this is your first time making a decision like this, but I'm also talking to someone today, you've been going to church a long time, but your faith is almost dried up inside you. The Lord's ready to do a new work. He's ready to revive something you might feel is dead. He's ready to bring you out onto the waters and lead you to places you never thought you'd ever set your feet, but only come by trusting him, by being led by him, by walking with him. And then you have this encounter with his love. Man, some of you may feel unlovable, but I want you to know his love is so wide, it's so great. Talk about stretch goals. He stretched down from heaven to earth. And then when he walked this earth, he reached the end of his life. He stretched himself out on a cross and he bled and he died for you. And what he was doing is he was filling a gap between heaven and hell. And he was saying, I'm making a way between you and God that you could be with me. You don't have to live a life apart from me. He made that bridge so that everyone that puts their faith in him can cross into life forever. He said, I'm going to make a place for you. And if I do that, then I'll bring you there myself. That's the promise of what Jesus has done for us. The only question is, what, what have you done to respond? Have you come to him? Have you said, Lord, I want to be with you. Where you are is where I want to be. Your faith of your parents won't get you to heaven one day. Your good works won't get you to heaven. The only thing that will make the difference, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he made a free gift of salvation, being saved, being forgiven. He made it available by dying on the cross and raising from the grave on Easter. That's what we celebrate just a few months. So if you'd bow your heads and your hearts with me today, there's a step that every person in this room needs to take today. Jesus is inviting you out of the boat onto the waves, into the waters of the unknown where only he could sustain you and where he has more for you than you could ever imagine. And every one of us have a next step to meet him right now. But I need to talk for just a moment to the people that need to take a first step. That perhaps you're very far from God today. You've never, you've never turned your life to Jesus like I've described. You've never surrendered to him fully. You've always held back your life and you've been trying to live for yourself. But today you've heard the good news. The good news is that God loves you. The good news is he has a plan for you and that Jesus died for you. And it's a gift that you need to receive. And the Bible says everyone that does that, everyone that receives that gift, they're forgiven and their home is now in heaven. That when they come to the end of this life, they'll be with the Lord forever. And today, if you've never made that decision or you're very far from God, you've run from him. And today you're coming home saying, Lord, I'm returning to you with all my heart. If you're in that place right now, I wanna pray for you if you're ready. So if you're here on the main floor, in the balcony, or watching an overflow or online, if that's you, say, Pastor, pray for me. I wanna say yes to Jesus. Lift your hand high above your head right now. Come on, no one's looking around. Just lift your hand. I just want to pray for you and know that you're here. That you just lift your hand high above your head. I see your hand. Praise God. I see hands going up all around here in the main floor. In the balcony, is there anyone? Praise God. I see a few hands there. Wow, praise God. Their hands going up all, all over the place here. Come on, church family. Just begin to honor the Lord. Thank the Lord for what's happening in hearts and lives. If you're in the overflow, just lift your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna pray. And I want you to say these words from the bottom of your heart. Just look up at me right now. This is between you and the Lord if you're saying this prayer for the first time. You're returning with all your heart to the Lord. But it matters right now, not what I'm saying. It matters what you're saying and it's coming from your heart. You're gonna thank the Lord for dying for your sins. You're gonna ask him to forgive you of your sins. You're gonna turn away from that and turn towards him. 
And then you're just going to say, Lord, I commit to follow you now all the days of my life. And the Bible says if you confess that Jesus is Lord with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So just say this prayer with me right now from the bottom of your heart. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. Today I put my trust in you. I believe that you died for me and that you love me and that you have a plan for me. And today I make you Lord of my life and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. If you'll praise God with me. Man, I, I think we have a slide in the back that says Jesus and has a phone number on it. If you could just put that up. Here's what I want you to do. We had a lot of hands that went up and I don't know if we're gonna have time to meet everyone. Could you do this one thing for me? I want to pray for you and I wanna connect with you if you made this decision to follow Jesus today. Pull out your cell phone right now, if you can, and shoot a text message to me. And the way you can do it, just send a text to this number, text just the word Jesus. That'll let us know. And we're gonna send you a resource, help you to grow in your faith journey. Let us know, we'd love to celebrate what God's doing in your life. If you can, as everyone's leaving, we're gonna have a prayer team. Come on up, prayer team. If you made that decision, come forward. We have a Bible for you. We have some things right here that we'd love to put in your hands before you leave. But either way, we wanna know that you made that decision this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Can we just celebrate what God has done today and what he's in the midst of doing? Thank you, Lord. Right now, I wanna pray for every person with the sound of my voice. This is our closing prayer. Just lift your hands right now. If you're saying yes to Jesus, you're ready to take a step of faith. You wanna see your faith grow and expand in this season. You wanna follow him wherever he'll lead you. Lord Jesus, you see our hearts lifted to you today. You see our hands lifted high to you. Lord, we desire to grow in our faith we desire to step out into the waters and the places that only you could sustain us and follow you wherever it is that you would lead us. So Lord, I pray that as hands are lifted, that faith would be rising in their hearts, Lord God, that they'll trust you for more and that you'll accomplish more in them and through them than they could ever imagine, Lord. I pray your blessing be upon them, that you would do it abundantly, exceedingly more than they can ask, think, or imagine, and we will give you all the glory now and forever in all God's people said amen and amen would you praise the Lord one more time amen God bless you today as you go if you need prayer please come forward if you accepted the Lord today we want to pray with you and connect with you but please head out make yourself uh, available to everything we're doing fun out there in the foyer we'll see you on Wednesday night and next Sunday morning <laughs>